0: We weren't recording that all the time. i you, two-bottle podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, welcome, everybody, to the Messenger's Podcast. I am Chris Searles. Joining me today is Rob Seifert, our creative director here at Searles Graphics, and we have a special guest. Uh, Dara Brustein is joining us live via the internet from Atlanta. Uh, Dara is the founder of Network Under 40, a uh, partner at Equitable Payments. She's a contributing writer for Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, and Thrive Global, and the creator of the Life by Design, Not by Default virtual summit. Welcome, Dara. Thanks,
1: guys. I appreciate you having me. And
0: thanks for joining us. This is a uh, a little bit of a different format for us. We've not really done this before, so I hope People will excuse our uh, inexperience in the interview style, and um, uh, I hope you'll excuse that as well.
1: Someone's got to start. Always, you've got to be a beginner at some
0: point. Exactly. So, um, so you, as far as I could tell, you've had you had a lot of jobs starting out. You kind of bounced around a lot early in your career, uh, and it seems like that has really kind of. Um, shaped what you've done since then Uh, so I was curious if you could kind of talk a little bit about what about those experiences early on in your career that have led to um, doing the things that you're doing now and and uh, what you're doing in terms of what you've done with your virtual summit and um, the way that you've kind of built your life I guess in your career based on uh, that early experience
1: Sure, so a lot of people say that success leaves clues, and in my case, I think retrospectively I can see that that was true, where I started my career doing what I think many of us do, which is you go to school, you go into the real world, and you think, what am I passionate about, how do I want to build a career around that? So at the time, at the tender age of 22, the only thing I knew I was passionate about was fashion, as silly as it sounds. So I built the original steps of my career in the wholesale fashion industry. And I learned in about a year that it wasn't all that I hoped that it would be. and It wasn't panning out. It felt really like I wasn't growing in the ways that I wanted to. It was quite catty. And also, I had maxed out. I hit a three-year sales goal in 10 months. And that maximized my territory. And so at that point, I really had nowhere to go. And I learned very quickly that it's really easy to get comfortable and that you can get stuck when you're comfortable. And so what felt like a horrible outcome at the time where I got laid off because the company went under about a week before Christmas in 2007, which was exactly three months after I had bought a house in duress, getting a restraining (laughs) order against my landlord at the time, I was really hit in the face with this adulthood of, oh my gosh, I thought that this was the thing that you do. You get the job. It's really stable. You buy the house happily ever after. I wasn't working like that and so much to your point Chris I did bounce around a lot and it was partly because I wanted to try different things and figure out what I enjoyed and was good at and also partly it was circumstantial because I found myself in the height of the recession being new into the world of career and business and I lost three jobs to layoffs in those first three years so You know, Fast forward to that point, it was 2009, and I was starting to really question what I had been told, that working for other people was the secure path, and it was the stable route. So instead, I thought, you know what, if I think back to what I always wanted to do when I was a kid, I always wanted to have a business. I started operating businesses out of the back porch of my parents' house when I was really little, and I just thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the reins and put my own destiny in my own hands and then it really came down to what was it going to be. So to most people, including myself, surprise, I started the credit card processing company and I did it with my twin brother. And what I learned through the early stages of that was that even though I wasn't overtly interested in credit card processing, what I was really excited <laughs> about were the intricate pieces that made the business operate. And my day-to-day function and talking with business owners and learning about different industries, much like you guys do And that I was going to get to improve and help their bottom line in a way that I deeply understood because when you're building a business, you understand what it's like for every dollar to matter. So I was able to get excited in almost a reverse engineered capacity about the service because of the functions of the day-to-day. And so that really helped me switch my mindset from you have to be initially passionate about something to you can become passionate about where you are and what your current circumstances are. And so from there, I had a very nonlinear continued path where I had started in fashion. In some of the jobs, I was doing things like personal assistant work or high-end home audio video sales, then started this credit card processing company, accidentally started my next company, Network Under 40, because a friend asked me for a place to go to not get hit on, sold to, or be in a room with everyone her parents' age.
0: <laughs> and I loved
1: to connect people, so that accidentally started a business and then just kind of kept going. And I think you know the sort of through line here is, how do you create a career where you see opportunities and you're willing to say yes to stuff that maybe doesn't make sense on paper, but your intuition tells you it's the right place to go?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting the um, the concept that, you know, obviously credit card processing is not the, the most glamorous or the sexiest ind- industry there is, but um, finding ways to be passionate about what that does for um, somebody else or, or, you know, to find a way to be passionate about um, – delivering that service because it adds value to somebody else and, and, you know, what you can really do for somebody just, you know, and the nuts and bolts of that are what they are. But, um, but, you know, that's kind of an interesting thought. It was kind of, um, you know, from my experience, I started as a software engineer and going to college. The one thing I knew I didn't want to do was sit behind a computer and write code all day. Um, And, and honestly, I mean, I cheated my way through comp sci one in college. And then, Realized I had to take CompSci two, and then I had to learn all of CompSci one in about two weeks at the beginning of, of that semester. So, um, and then realized that I actually really enjoyed it, and then it became something that that I became passionate about. But but primarily not because I liked sitting behind a computer and writing code. I liked uh, that it allowed me to be exposed to every different business that there was, um, because everybody needs computer science. Everybody needs software. Um, and the ability to kind of jump from you know from the the wholesale plant industry to um, you know somebody that's doing you know retail or fashion to you know we we were primarily a printing company at that time um, you know and and be exposed to those different things was something that kind of drove my passion for what we do now, which is you know help basically kind of the same thing you know helping people grow their own businesses so. Um, you know, that's that's
1: a piece of what you said, because basically what you experience there is that there are no shortcuts and that's often this myth of entrepreneurship, that (laughs) there's a shortcut that someone's going to come in and they're going to be the thing that changes the face of your business. It's that whale of a client. It's the brand name that you can tell everyone else that you're working with. It's getting on Oprah's favorite things list. It's, you know, fill in the blank. And that is not true. It's, it's, it's the idea of, you know, there's these unicorn businesses, that are called unicorns, in my opinion, for a reason, because they're mythical. So, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. giving a perfect example of how there are not shortcuts and you need to really make sure that whatever business you choose or whatever crew path one chooses, that you can fall in love with the day-to-day operations because that's what you can, you're going to be participating in hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, day-after-day.
0: Right. Now, um, you you kind of touched on uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about where you... Um, you mentioned on your website, uh, the quote is checking that you basically checked all of the quote unquote right boxes uh, and realizing that that wasn't filling, fulfilling or working for you. Um, tell me a little bit about, as far as your journey was concerned, what are the quote unquote right boxes?
1: Yeah, the right boxes were the things that society had told me were what equated to success. So in the early stages of my life and career, it was go to a top 20 university, get straight A's and be on the dean's list, graduate with honors, get a job with a sexy title, be able to go to parties and tell people something that they seem jealous of, buy the house, go on the trips, like do those things. But what I came to realize was not only were some of them not working, just like the get the job and get the title wasn't working functionally, I didn't enjoy it. But it also wasn't working in the sense of my jobs were going away left, right, and center back to back because of the economy. And it made me really realize what is it that I want? What does success mean for me? And how do I stop looking outward and look inward to define that for myself?
0: So with that, um, and Rob, I'm sure you have uh, an interesting take on this now too with... um, Two kids that are uh, around college age, you know, getting there or you know, had been there. Yeah, um, I'm soaking and with, this all up. Yeah. Well, and with <laughs> your with your experience and what your kind of unlikely career direction was coming out of high school, right. um, and and there I'm uh, acutely interested in your uh, answer, your response to this as well. But I am um, a a almost a militant advocate that we are doing the youth of our country a disservice by uh, the kind of just nonstop, I, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to call it, but really the, the this idea that everybody has to go to college uh, and that college is just the next step and it is what it is. Um, and to me, You know, I look at people that apply for jobs here uh, that would have been significantly better off had they applied for a job here right out of high school, said, look, I'll work for free or for minimum wage, you know, at the very least for a year and then minimum wage for another year. And then if I'm doing a good job, give me a little bit of a raise. And, you know, and four years later, you find yourself not one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt and with some money actually in the bank because you've earned some money and with what we're seeing that a lot of these colleges are producing uh, or what, uh, individual, what, what the applicants for these jobs majored in at those colleges or whatever that was. Uh, and I'm kind of interested to hear your answer to this because correct me if I'm wrong, but you were an Italian and a religion major in college. Is that correct? Totally accurate. So, um, I, I have a a very, very serious issue with the state of, uh, college and, and higher education Mm -hmm. in this, in this country right now. Um, and Rob, I don't know, maybe if you want to talk, touch a little bit on what your kind of career path was too, because it was certainly a little nonlinear. Um, but uh, from, from both of you, I would be curious to kind of hear,
2: uh, what your feelings are on that.
1: Yeah, Rob, why don't you kick us off?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Um, I mean, for me, uh, um, I really had no sense of what I wanted to do coming straight out of high school, so I went into the service. I was in the Navy uh, for four years, and uh, when I got out, I did just uh, ob service-type industry jobs in and around, and went to sc- went to college afterwards, um, and uh, worked my way through college uh, here on Long Island, and um, did what I wanted to do, so I can totally relate to what you're saying, uh, do what you love, and I always had an interest in art and advertising, so that was the focus of my uh, my minor. And then I I did my uh, I got a major uh, in uh, communications. Um, so I really only had you know two real professional jobs since high school, and both were as a designer and creative director. Um, I worked for a local publication for two years as a creative director, and then I came here, and I've been here for 20 years. And I think part of it is what you said, you know, in in some of your opening statements is that I'm doing what I love. Uh, it's actually, you know, after the service, I realized I don't love this. <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to do? And uh, that's kind of what I focused on, and I had the maturity at that point right. to do it. Um, and, and that's it,
0: what I think is interesting about the way that you went about it, where it was, I mean, there was a four-year gap there where that you had to actually think about what you really wanted to do right and i guess knowing that you didn't want to be sleeping on a ship right you know for the next 20 years that but. was a tough gig right <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah the question is really interesting and In your experience i completely relate to you, rob that university or college life i don't think is for everyone i'm certainly a bit biased one having done it and loved my experience and two i sit on the board of my university but that being said i also sit there as a bit of a devil's advocate because Not only is our landscape changing, and I think that education, let alone higher education, is really set around an industrial age framework where we're creating worker fees as opposed to creating more critical thinking and unique thought processes. And now with so many people creating small businesses, there being such a resurgence in that, you certainly don't have to go to college to do that. I was in a fortunate position to have a family who could pay for me to do it which took a lot of the risk away from the choice and it allowed me to utilize college as a place to learn to learn and test a lot of assumptions and grow and build a network and community and dabble in a lot of things. And frankly, study exactly what you said, Chris. I studied religion on Italian, which is impractical in the one hand, but on the (laughs) other, extremely practical because it helped me understand people and what makes them tick at the most foundational element of what they believe. It helped me understand cultures and globalization through language. So I was able to learn a lot, but it wasn't obvious. And it certainly wasn't tangible or translatable directly into a skill set. But I do think it's really important for people to consider, what are you trying to get out of it? Is the timing right? Much like you, Rob, can you go back later? But really, the bottom line is exactly what I'm talking about with intentionally designing life is you have to question things. You have to say, am I doing this because people are telling me it's in my best interest? And do they really know that? Or should I put it through the sieve of my own knowledge, rational, like rationalization, and intuition? And from that, can I decide this truly is the decision that I want to make? And sometimes those will align, and other times they
0: won't. Yeah, and I think the um, you know the the other side of that too is the the world is different. The world has changed. I mean, just in the last, even look like in the last ten years, um, from you know certainly from when you went to college, which was what back in the forties well that's 50. that's a little deep um, but hurtful. So, but uh <laughs> i think um uh dara i think we graduated around the same time i graduated from from college in 05 i think you were around that same right 06 um but you know things have changed tremendously and yeah i mean if you're a, a if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or you know a nuclear engineer or um, i mean there're plenty of of professions out there where yes you have to go to college go to college get the education that you that you need and and then move forward um but i think for uh I, people like you who don't you don't necessarily know what you want to do um they're almost what what you were saying there where it's almost like we kind of are shaming our our kids into believing they have to go straight into college rather than it being okay that yeah take a year two years five however long it takes for you to figure out what's right for you and that might be getting a job and taking online courses and and doing that which is stuff that's available now that never used to be available um but uh so i guess to kind of change gears a little bit here then you um we've touched on a lot of things that you are doing um and obviously, so you you have uh, a lot of different businesses that you're working on, a lot of different interests. Um, one of the challenges that I personally have always kind of faced, and Rob can attest to this for sure, um, is the the difficulty in not pursuing ideas. Um, I know that uh, it's it's daily, weekly, you know, at the very least, where I. Think of something and say, "Oh man, that's really something we should do," or you know, "This is something that would really work as a business." Or, um, and in trying to kind of dial that back and then be focused on the things that are in front of me and the things that I need to be focused on. Uh, so I don't know if you can talk a little bit about how you handle that. Um, if you do handle that, I know you're doing a lot of things. So um, you know how you kind of manage your time in terms of uh, doing all of those different things and how you handle that. Um, I think it's kind of a, uh, anybody that is entrepreneurial in nature um, is always kind of thinking about, okay, what else, what else, what else? Uh, so if you can talk about that a little bit.
1: There's definitely an intricate balance between saying yes to the, every idea or some of the ideas and just staying focused. And there's pros and cons to each and everyone's circumstances and timing all matters. For me, it's really been about focusing on one primary objective at a time and making sure that as I go, I've gotten very comfortable, actually like probably too comfortable with delegating and building teams out to support anything that I can systemize or know is not in my best interest to do. And that was not easy. That was not something Hmm. that came naturally to me. I was absolutely a control freak. And I felt like, hey, if I can do this at A plus level, no one else is going to do it like that. But I came to realize that I was completely impeding and hampering my own growth. And when you look at it from the perspective of what is it that your business does to help other people, and by me being the cog in the wheel that's not allowing that to help more people, that's a really motivating way, at least for me, to look at it to think, okay, how do I make sure that I can grow this so that more people can be aided by it? And so every time I would do something, I would think, does this energize me? Am I really great at this? Could someone else be doing it faster for less money or just better? And in that case, I would systemize it, and then I would hire it out and hand it off. And that has really served me because it's allowed me to take our first business, for example, which is the credit card processing company that I've been doing for 10 years and now spend about 3 to 5% of my time on it which is a beautiful thing because it's a residual based business. So it's really created this foundation that's allowed me to build on top of it these other companies. So same thing with Network Under 40, for years I ran it just me and then slowly I was able to figure out, okay, I have the resources now to bring in other people. Where can I do that? What do I really need to focus on? And then I was able to focus on expanding it into other markets and doing other things like creating courses to teach other people how to run their own networking events profitably and sustainably. And then same thing, I wrote a children's book on financial literacy, and I was able to carve out time because each of these companies began to be sufficient enough on its own for me to come back in for some amount of time and energy, but not have to be in the middle of the wheel for it to rotate in the first place. So then it really comes down to how do you decide which decisions and which ideas you want to run with. And I am very connected to my intuition. I think a lot of women are. And so for me, that's a lot of how I make decisions. For other people, you might write pro con lists or you might think like, let me do some experimenting or let me just try it and see if there's momentum and then keep going. So I think sometimes holding loosely to an idea and just putting it out there a little to see if there's any interest or momentum and then building from there or stopping altogether.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think some level of intuition is is kind of, Critical across the board, right? I mean, there's a certain point at which um, we're we're kind of dealing with it right now, where we are making one of the biggest investments um, that we've really ever made as a company, Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of data to support and information to support what we're doing, but at a certain point. there There has to be some level of, yeah, we just believe this is the right move. and um you know, so and and the the point about delegation, I know was I think that's just about everybody's uh, from an entrepreneur entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, when you are kind of a maker, when you know um, that you come from a the standpoint that, you know, I can do this job. Uh, that's, I don't know if you've ever read, um, the e-myth or the e-myth revisited. Just like Michael Gerber. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's, that is, I think the hardest thing to do is to say, well, you know, I'm starting this business because it's something I'm really good at. And then really my goal is to not do that thing anymore. Yeah. Um, and so the, the delegation portion of it is, is, uh, that's always been my biggest struggle as well. And really still is one of my biggest struggles. And it's still something that I, I finally feel like even just recently have kind of made a little bit of a breakthrough, um, in terms of that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think you struggle with the same thing. For Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, hard. So you also recently, uh, have interviewed people like Seth Godin, Shaquille O'Neal, Um, Jillian Michaels, Robert Herjavec of Shark Tank fame. I'm curious, out of all of the people uh, that you've interviewed and and worked with recently, who surprised you the most out of that group and why?
1: I think Jillian surprised me the most because of her public persona of being one that's pretty demanding and sometimes mean-seeming when actually (laughs) she was the opposite. She was so lovely, so kind, and frankly, super authentic and intentional in her decision making. So if for anyone who reads the interview, it's on Forbes, you'll see how she gives so much of her credit for the success she's created in her business and brand to the people around her and the people behind the scenes and how she really talks about it from a perspective of growing a business. When I think most people look at her as this television personality, famous and proud to be a trainer but really she's been really a keen entrepreneur and it's interesting too to consider what's it like to be a person who isn't really the persona that the world thinks that you are I mean just you mentioned Shark Tank and Robert Herjavec I mean Robert is what you see but you know I'd imagine someone like Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary who is allegedly this like kind of sharky dude is probably actually quite a nice guy. But there's a lot of situations where you'll be branded or your company will be branded in this sort of box and people want to contextualize there. And Jillian definitely had that when her career began to bloom publicly. And she's still seen a lot of success, but I can't imagine personally what that's like to have the world think of you as mean and (laughs) actually you're this really kind person.
0: Yeah. So um, you also have, worked uh, or at least um i believe he was in your your uh virtual summit uh deepak chopra um i am uh, kind of and this is maybe has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about here but um i've been fascinated by the uh meditation movement that's kind of making its way through the the um startup community, the entrepreneurial community, um, with people like Tim Ferris, who is kind of, you know, gung ho all aboard on that. Uh, I even saw recently an interview with, uh, Rivers Cuomo, uh, you know, the lead singer of Weezer, who talks about his, how he grew up meditating, you know, and basically in Buddhist communities and, um, and still to this day swears by meditation. So I'm curious, uh, are you a meditator?
1: practice for years. And similarly, I've paid attention to this upswing in the cultural vernacular and zeitgeist around meditation. And when it comes to culture in general, especially in the US, I think it has so much to do with the fact that we are culturally told to hustle, grind, burn out, sleep when you're dead. And this is a counterbalance to that because none of those things are humane. None of those things are how we thrive or feel fulfilled or really access the core things that we all want in life, like love, joy, peace, things like that. And so getting into meditation was something that certainly helped me go from someone who was really stressed and anxious all the time and highly reactive in entrepreneurial settings where a client would need something and I would get instantly stressed out because something was going wrong to now being able to approach things from a much more even-keeled perspective, decision-make with my whole head, not just my lizard brain, and be able to just... (laughs) actually live life in a way that doesn't feel so chaotic and up and down. And I think that's what is attracting so many people to it. And now that it's cool, it's a lot more accessible as opposed to in the past, it's just sort of this like hippie thing that people did. So I, I think that's why a lot of people are gravitating towards
0: that. Yeah. And that's, um, uh, uh kind of reminds me of one of my absolute kind of favorite reads that I think, Everybody in the world should read is um, a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. I don't know if you're familiar with um, her work or the the book in particular, but uh, you know you kind of touch on the you know the the Seth Godin lizard brain um, issues, but you know uh, really that book in particular is about a lot of the things that you're talking about, where um, you know your mindset is is under your complete control, the way that you approach situations, the way that you handle situations um and most of us you know get so reactive and and emotional uh and that it's a good way i think to step back it's something that i i i want to try meditation i'm, I'm um wary of my ability to do it but and uh but finding the time is is something that i uh, i really would like to start doing yeah
1: um, i have a free masterclass on my website with Deepak and at the end he does a guided meditation I had someone reach out to me and say, I've never been able to meditate before. And I actually started crying during this meditation because I actually felt the effects of it for the first time. This is a dude I had met like 10 years ago. And, you know, I I welcome anyone to check it out on my website. It's just Dara.co slash Deepak. But that being said, I think our natural state is stillness and quiet, but we've been so trained to take in all the inputs that are coming at us from everything around that, I had a lot of the same worries or thoughts or objections before too, and I'm not perfect at it. I certainly am not enlightened, but even just taking a minute between meetings and just sitting and being quiet and just recentering on your breath is all the meditation that you need to start. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. It's definitely, um, I was surprised as that kind of started making its way through, but, um, but certainly something I am aiming towards. Mm. Um, and I guess uh, kind of finally, um, uh if you had to take there's one takeaway from the virtual summit that you did that you really felt like you needed to share with the world what would that be
1: (laughs) that's so hard to choose it's 20 hours of content from 45 world-class speakers uh so that would be really hard for me to say but i will say the overarching theme of it i think is what's most important to me it's Mm -hmm. that You need to be able to stop and determine what success looks like for you and how do you really want to choose the next steps you're taking in your life. And Once you've been able to do that and get over a lot of the mental hurdles like you addressed of the fear or the feeling stuck or the I don't know what I want, then from there is when you look at your career or your business, especially for entrepreneurs, and think, is the business that I'm creating one that elevates what I want my life and my lifestyle to look like? Or is it suppressing it? And do I only have nooks and crannies left to fit my life dreams and goals into? And then lastly, how do you curate and cultivate a networking community to support you and those visions? Because it truly is those people who are going to open the doors to the success that you're seeking. So that's the framework of the entire summit. And then there's bits and pieces that help with each of them within
0: it. And it's I think it's interesting, um, I don't know if you guys, uh, how kind of deep you get into Those kind of choices, I'm sure it does. Um, But uh, for a lot of people, I think that there, especially in this country, there tends to be this idea that, um, you know, step one is make a lot of money and then step two is use that money to do the things that I enjoy. Um, And I think that there are not enough people that focus on, well, what are the things that I enjoy and what do I really need out of my life? And let's start there. And then, kind of backtrack into how do I design what work looks like, or what my life is going to look like based around what do I want to do and what do I enjoy. And that's so why I really, um, uh, when I saw, you know, what you had put together, I really kind of responded to it because um, I, I am a full believer in that. That whatever that means for you, and that might mean you know, making $40,000 a year, doing something that you love and having your weekends free to spend with your family and, you know, whatever that mean, whatever that is to you, that that's great. And as long as you can identify that and not be miserable, you know, for 80% of your life going to work every day, um, that that's, that's a good starting point. But, um, I guess lastly, what do you have coming up? What do you want to plug? And, uh, we'll, we'll take it out from there.
1: Coming up, gosh, well, I've got a ton of free resources that are always on the website. There is the Deepak series that I mentioned, or the Life by Design series that we mentioned. There's the free thing with Deepak, the Living a More Meaningful Life Masterclass. I've got a goal setting guide on the six best steps for more effective goal planning, as well as this is great for entrepreneurs, the 20 things or the shit no one tells you about starting a business, which is the 20 things that no one tells you you're going to probably endure when you go through. So it helps you kind of understand that you're not alone and can help get you through that as well as Deepak and I have a weekly video series that makes a lot of deep topics relatable and translatable into your life in about three to five minutes and all these celebrity interviews. So if you're looking to learn from the pros and the masters who have done it and done it really well, that's all on there. And then, yeah, the only other thing that I'd mention is if anyone is looking to increase their income, impact, and influence by creating a fly hustle that really elevates their primary business, I also have on there what I consider a blueprint to creating your own ongoing networking event series, which is basically me taking 11 years of doing this for Network Under 40, for 30,000 people who have come through our events in multiple cities, as well as for universities and schools to help give you the step-by-step methods, every tool, script, PDF, and otherwise that you'll need to do it for yourself.
0: Great, and that's Dara.co, correct? darra Co. Exactly. For anybody that needs it. And thank you, Dara Brewstein, for joining us. Today. Thank you both. Yeah.